It's time for Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. Presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for free made-from-scratch food, signature 29-degree draft beers, and all the scenic views. I'm just going to pause while you start drooling. And brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors of Wapaton. Now your host of the show, Josh Swanson. Tis the season, Bison Nation. After how many fan bases, fellow Bison fans, say after an up and down nine and two season? The herd, your Bison, are the number three seed in the FCS playoffs. South Dakota State, for the first time in their history, I'm going to throw out that wonky two, 2021 spring season. South Dakota State, for the first time ever, is the number one seed. Sacramento State is the number two seed, and all week long I was telling people they thought I was dumber than a pile of bricks. They said, Swan, they're going to put the Jacks and the Bison on the same side. SDSU is going to be one. The Bison are going to be four. I said, nope, they're the two best teams, but they can't put North Dakota State two. So what they're going to do, they're going to put SDSU two to give them home field. They'll put the Bison as the four seed I was wrong as well. They put the Bison as a three seed, as up and down, an up and down nine and two season with the three seed dropping two games by a total of five points. Yet some in the fan base, I'm talking to some of you crazy fans, are up in arms about the transfer portal not being the one seed. NDSU went seven and one in the Missouri Valley. They're the number three seeded team in the FCS playoffs, and they have a great bracket in road to Frisco. And that's what we're going to talk about here this morning on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan brought to you by Smith Motors, Peterman Seeds, a Holly, and Twin Peaks. We're going to bring on Sam Herder from Hero Sports to break down the bracket. A lot of great games today. This is one of my football favorite Saturdays of the year. If you're a hardcore FCS fan like me and my buddies, you're paying attention. There's eight games on the docket, highlighted by North Dakota, the Fighting Hawks. After coming to the Fargo Dome last Saturday, they got a bid, and they're going to Weber State to play the Wildcats. I watched Weber State play twice this year. They've got some, they're have got they a good 9-2 team, and I know there was all the controversy about the bid, UND outbidding them, and I'm with Bill Chaves, the athletic director at North Dakota. When you've got a protocol and you're the FCS, and it's all about the bid process, then you decide Weber State didn't bid enough. The rules are the rules, and you change them. That's why the NCAA, you're so stupid. Transfer portal, you screwed that up. The football college playoffs, you screwed that up. You, the NCAA has screwed everything up, and they just can't help themselves. So they give Weber State the home game, even though North Dakota bid more than them. They must have the lawyers involved because lawyers find technicalities and rules on top of rules. Part of what I do for a living, UND got hosed. They're going to Ogden, Utah to play Weber State. Weber State defensively, I'll tell you this, fans, they're salty. They're very well coached and they're very salty. Offensively, if Tommy Schuster, he had some flashes of doing some things well against North Dakota State, but kind of... Not to knock the young man, but throughout his career, and maybe it's just against the Bison because that's you know what I pay most attention to. 
he makes some good plays, then he makes some kind of boneheaded decisions. With their offense and Bo Belquist, UND has a shot. They've got more than a puncher shot to take down Weber State because offensively, Weber State isn't fantastic. Now, UND, of course, they struggled on the line of scrimmage, but you're playing North Dakota State, who's got the best offensive line in the FCS. Don't count UND out. Some other intriguing matchups this afternoon and tonight, the nightcap. The winner of Southeast Missouri State, SEMO. The winner of SEMO versus Montana comes to the Fargo Dome. Montana State got thwomped. Excuse me, Montana got thwomped by Montana State in the brawl of the wild. College game day was there. Kirk Herbstreet was getting the weird foot massage fetish thing. Indiana Jones had Kirk Herbie looking good, baby. The foot stuff. Kirk Herbstreet busts his butt, right? The guy's on Thursday night prime time on, on Amazon Prime with the NFL. Then he flies. He's got a kid who plays high school ball in Cincinnati. He flies home every Friday to watch his kid play his high school games. Private jet, of course, still a grind. And then you jump on the plane late night throughout the overnight to get to game day, do that. And then you got to jump back on the plane to go call ABC ESPN's game of the week. Bad luck, Herbie, getting the foot massage in Bozeman. That was a great game day. I thought the setting was fantastic. Montana State got handled. Whoever, if Montana beats Southeast Missouri State, I'm telling you this right now, buys a nation. Next Saturday at the Fargo Dome, North Dakota State will rush for 500 yards. Montana in the trenches, terrible. Montana State did whatever they wanted. They've got SEMO, an intriguing matchup to keep an eye on looking forward, and we'll break this all down in a few minutes with Sam Herter. Idaho versus Southeast Louisiana. I mentioned that game because they're in the same pod is North Dakota State. That would be a potential quarterfinal game for the Bison. Idaho, 7-4 and four on the year. 7-2 and two in the FCS. They played, I believe it was Indiana in Washington State. Two FBS teams early in the season. They dropped both those games, losing to Washington State 24-17 to and then dropping to Indiana 35-22. to Then they went on. They also dropped to UC Davis 44-26. to and they lost to Sacramento State, 31-28. Sac State's the two-seed. Jason Eck, the former offensive coordinator for South Dakota State, first-year head coach for Idaho, he gave the Bison fits during his tenure in Brookings. That's a potential quarterfinal matchup. Other than that, you got uh, Elon Furman, Ford of New Hampshire, Davidson Richmond, Gardner-Webb Eastern Kentucky will break some of those down. But the Bison getting the two-seed. I don't imagine, I didn't, or excuse me, the three seed, not the two seed. The top seeded teams, we'll go through them. They are in this order, South Dakota State, after beating the Bison in Fargo. They are the well-deserved number one seed. They've got the winner of St. Francis and Delaware. Holy Cross is the number eight seed. South Dakota State, if the winner of Fordham, New Hampshire, has Holy Cross, until a Patriot League team proves it in the second round and beyond, South Dakota State's got a cakewalk to the semifinals. William and Mary, they're the five. Montana State's the four on South Dakota State's side of the bracket. We'll get into a potential Montana State-South Dakota State rematch in this year's semis after Montana State beat them in Bozeman last December to secure a trip to Frisco to play the Bison. On the bottom side of the bracket, it's the number three North Dakota State Bison. Number six, Sanford Bulldogs. Number seven, keep an eye on this team, Incarnate Word. 
They put up like 69 against Southern Illinois in the first or second game of the year. They sling it around. They're the number seven seeded team. Sacramento State's the number two team. They're 11-0. I'm telling you this right now. Sac State, I've watched three of their games this year. Their quarterback, he's a baller. He's okay. Their defense, eh, they're a paper tiger. If they drop to Richmond in the second round, it wouldn't surprise me. If I'm a betting man, which I'm not, if I were, I'd pick Incarnate Word. I think NDSU eventually sees Incarnate Word in the semifinals. But the more one of the more intriguing storylines in this playoff field, the Missouri Valley only gets three teams in. In NDSU, SDSU, and North Dakota, I thought Youngstown State should have been in the field. They're not. That came down to presumably the head-to-head they had with North Dakota. They played the Bison tight. They played UND tight. The Missouri Valley is the toughest conference in the country, and they're at home. Montana State getting the three, or excuse me, getting the four, having to go on the road. And I keep saying three because in my mind, I thought for sure Montana State had the three seeds sewed up. Now, I get it. Montana State snuck by a really bad Eastern Washington team, and they had to beat Northern Arizona with a field goal at the gun. Two of the bottom feeders this year in the big sky. The committee looked at it, and rightfully, I don't think it was a well, maybe it was. I think the two best teams in the FCS this year are the Bison and the Jacks. I think with South Dakota State, the reward that that they get for going undefeated in the Valley should not be a potential semifinal game against North Dakota State for a trip to Frisco. The committee has really screwed both teams in the past doing that, so the fact that they put the Bison and Jacks on opposite side of the brackets, I'm fine with. Brent Vegan, Central Valley, Buxton, Native, former Bison player, former assistant coach, went with Craig Bull to Wyoming in 2013. Boy, Viggs had to be absolutely livid that after they lost, their only loss on the year, they got housed, I think it was 68-28, to Oregon State, the top 25 Oregon State team to uh, start the year. The the latest uh, college football playoff rankings, 1 through 25, came out earlier in the week. Oregon State's up there. But they got just shellacked by 40 points against the Beavers. That's their only loss all year. They're undefeated in FCS. They gave them the four. So you're co-champs of the Big Sky. You didn't drop a game in conference. And your reward is that for a trip to Frisco, you got to go to Brookings, South Dakota, and play the Jacks. Well, kumbaya, Katie bar the door. That's going to be a Donnybrook. Coach Vegan knows the Jacks very, very well. And you can bet that South Dakota State is out for revenge if that matchup sets up. I think South Dakota State's going to get there. The, the, the more interesting question was the way Montana State struggled against Eastern Washington and Northern Arizona. They're a really good team when they're on fire like they were against Montana. They're not a juggernaut. Weber State, who played them tight in the regular season, that was that wacky game in October where Weber State's punter sailed four snaps. Their long snapper for Weber State sailed four snaps over the punter's head to give Montana State the win. Don't be surprised if Weber State or North Dakota knocked off the Bobcats in the second round. I think this playoff field is as wide open as it's been in the last 10 or 11 years. I think one of the few things that you can probably put safe money on is South Dakota State getting to the semifinals. I feel pretty confident that North Dakota State 
will as well. But it's a really, really intriguing field. It's wide open. Coming up next after the break on Herd It Here with Swanee, we're going to talk to Sam Herder from Hero Sports to tell us how he thinks he follows this every day. He's one of the, even though Sam's like barely out of his mid-20s, he's one of the gurus of FCS from a national perspective. We'll ask him whether he thinks it's fair Montana State got the four, the Bison got the three, and how the field shakes out. Coming up next on Herd It Here. As FCS football fans on this Thanksgiving weekend, we have so much to be thankful for. And one of those things that we're all thankful for following North Dakota State, the University of North Dakota, South Dakota State, or whichever FCS team you follow is the kind of coverage Sam Herder from Hero Sports brings to the table. Sam, this FCS bracket, man, a lot to talk about, a lot to digest. Yeah, it's it was uh, certainly uh, interesting as the bracket was unveiled. So some things that I thought were positive as far as splitting up uh, the Big Sky teams and the Valley teams on opposite sides, but there was also some other stuff as far as who got seeds, who got in, and all that. So it's never going to be a perfect bracket, but uh, certainly some interesting parts of this one. So one of the things that, and I had told folks all week, I, I thought that NDSU and South Dakota State, not from a Bison fan's perspective, but South Dakota State had the best year in the FCS. They have the most impressive win, winning at the Fargo Dome, coming from behind. I felt that the committee wouldn't you know, reward them for having come to Fargo and winning with having to play the Bison again on their side of the bracket to get to Frisco. So I thought the, the gymnastics that the committee would do, I figured they'd put South Dakota State as the two, Sac State as the one, and North Dakota State as the four. So when I saw South Dakota State unveiled on ESPNU's selection show on Sunday as the one, I figured we got a one-versus-four potential. And I say potential because you still have to win the games. I figured it'd be Bison versus Jacks in Brookings at the Dyke House for a shot to Frisco. Then the Bison came up is the three seed. And my reaction was, whoa. When you saw that Sunday morning that North Dakota State got the three, what was your reaction? Yeah, I was certainly surprised by that. You know, I thought Montana State had just the overall better record, um, you know, more Division One wins, more ranked wins, uh, slightly stronger strength of schedule, you know, according to the computerized rankings and on and on and on. And so, but I, I do think one thing the committee did this year was they didn't rely on resumes as much. And that's why it's so hard to really project the bracket because every year, you know, committee members change. I, th- I think they serve like four or five years, but every year there's, there's two or three uh, new folks on the committee and there's usually a new chair and sometimes they maybe stress different things. And in the, in the past, I remember when asking for explanations, they would always say, well, you look at the resume and this team had more ranked wins and more wins. Strict the schedule, all that stuff this year, you know, I think they looked at, they looked at the fact of, okay, who do we think is the better team? Yes, we can make the, the resumes, um, you know, defend the resumes a little bit, look at the resumes and try to order teams from there. But at the end of the day, let's ask ourselves, who do we think is better? And they thought that South Dakota State was better than Sac State, and they thought that North Dakota State uh, was better than Mon- uh, Montana State, and that's so that's how they order things. And so I, I don't mind it. I kind of like it uh, being that way of just you know at the end of the day, at the end of the day asking yourself who do we think is better, but at the same time next year they might flip flop again and stress you know resumes more than who they think is better. So just an interesting year to year on on how they kind of value things. 
And you you cover this. You watch. You and guys like Craig Haley watch more FCS football than anybody. You guys follow it week to week, and you're not just clued in on one team. You're clued in on multiple teams. And and I, and I, I know it's tough because when you watch the teams play, I watched probably three Montana State games this year. Of course, watched every North Dakota State team. And I think Montana State fan, as a Bison fan, I'm glad the Herd has the three seed. I would much rather have the Bison on the same side of the bracket as Sacramento State rather than being on the same side of the bracket as Montana State versus South Dakota State. But do you think the committee got it right putting NDSU as the three and Montana State as the four? You know, I still would have had, in my opinion, I thought Montana State was deserving of the three seed, you know, just because, you know, again, you can look at resumes, but you can also look at that Montana State has maybe looked better uh, this season. Um, especially uh, offensively, and so you, you can make the case for either or. You know, I, I probably still would have had Montana State the number three seed. Uh, you know, I think NDSU maybe they got the three seed less about how they looked, you know, throughout the year, but more about you know the fact that they were defending champs and also that they only lost by whatever it was three points uh, and two points to South Dakota State, the number one seed, and to Power Five Arizona. And so I think the that term quality losses probably helped. Uh, NDSU uh, more than anything, but I think if you if you watch the games, and it's always tough to gauge you know, how a team's look because we saw this last year too with NDSU, but the Bison have only really had one complete game this year, and that was uh, against UND, and so maybe that was the deciding factor. But you know, NDSU second year in a row that has kind of whole hummed its way through the regular season, and and just doesn't look like they have that killer punch and that that juice that the 2018 and 2019 teams. Had, but at the same time, we were saying this exact same thing last year, and, and then just you still, for the most part, rolled to a national title. So um, I, I personally still would have had Montana State three, uh, but it's you know when it's NDSU, sometimes it can be hard to argue against that. Well, it's interesting you point that out because I saw your column from earlier in the week where you ranked all 24 teams in the playoffs with respect to, I think it was their odds of getting to Frisco or winning to Frisco, starting with the team that has the the least chance in your mind at 24 and the team with the best chance at number one. And you at South Dakota State is one. NDSU is number two. And, and part of the reason, you know, Montana State, I think you had them as three. They'd have to go to Brookings. And it is, it's so tough for the Bison this year because sometimes you watch them, whether it was against South Dakota State, they jump up to that big lead. And but for Cam Miller's, you know, fake bow and arrow thing, the Bison have it first and goal at the five yard line. If they're able to go up three scores, who knows what happens the rest of that contest? You know, credit to South Dakota State for finally waking up and uh, getting back in and into winning that game. But then you have stretches for North Dakota State like they had when they were at Indiana State or Southern Illinois where after the first drive they went dormant for a couple quarters. So I think it's what, what's so interesting to me, Sam, about this Bison team, sometimes they look like they're really, really good and Cam Miller's hitting on the, the, the balls like to DJ Hart, who we'll talk about the transfer stuff in a minute, but third and seven against North Dakota, they dial up that 70-yard pass. They're able to run it all over. But then sometimes the Bison have these stretches where it's just real sloppy and you have penalties. And, and we're sitting here, and almost any other team, really any other team in the FCS, would, would bend over backwards to have a season like North Dakota State where you're 9-2, and two, your only losses are to a Power 5 Arizona, to the number one team in the country in South Dakota State where you lost by two, but the Bison had the ball first and 10 on SDSU's side of the 50 in the last drive, but somehow it feels like a down year for the Bison, and Bison fans are up in arms, and it's tough. I'm with you. I don't know what to make of this North Dakota State team other than I'll say this. When I saw the brackets come out, I think North Dakota State has a 
very good shot at getting to Frisco. And I think Bison fans, uh, myself personally, having watched Sac State and Montana State, the team that gives me the most heartburn on NDSU's side of the bracket is Incarnate Word. Sac State, the fact that they might have to go, the Bison would have to go out there. You know, you pointed it out. They draw like 15,000 points per game in your column. But Incarnate Word is that that team in the, the Bison side of the bracket that I've kind of got my eye on. Yeah, and you know, it, it, this Bison team is tough to gauge, like you said, because there have been spurts of, you know, the defense hasn't looked all that good, but then they had some games where they looked, you know, really, really good. But during those same games, the offense struggled a little bit. And just you know, quickly going down the schedule, Drake and North Carolina A&T, the Bison did what they were supposed to do. But then the loss was the Arizona, you know, the win at South Dakota 34-17. If I remember correctly, the offense was, was pretty bad in the first half before they turned things around. You know, Youngstown State winning 27-14. Okay, you know, that's pretty good. Indiana State 31-26. Clunker. Mm, you know, that, that was, that was a, a weird one. Loss to South Dakota State. You know, Illinois State, that was a solid win. Western Illinois, a really solid win. But then Southern Illinois was a close game. And then this last week, and I think, like I said, was the most complete performance beating UND, a playoff team, by 21 points. But even during spurts of that game, I, you know, UND was having success with, with the power run game. Um, and so you kind of wonder if, you know, a, a program like Montana State or even a program like Sac State, who is, is less pass-happy now, and they have more of a physical rushing attack with, you know, Cameron Scadabo, who I think is uh, he's a lot like – uh, Isaiah Davis, in my opinion, I think they're very comparable, but Scadabo might have a little bit more uh, wiggle to him uh, as well, as long with being physical. And so I, I think Cameron Scadabo, you know, if Bison fans are, you know, scared of what Isaiah Davis can do to them, you know, Scadabo is, is, is a guy that can, you know, maybe do damage to uh, for Sac State. And so that uh, that is, um, you know, one thing that I kind of consider when I was going through who I think has the best chance to make it to Frisco. I do think it is South Dakota State versus North Dakota State, uh, but I don't think. NDSU, uh, you know, it, it's a given that, that they can go to Sac State and get a win there. I do think Sac State is, is built a little bit more uh, better physically this year compared to past year's teams that fell short in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, and I watched Sac State, and it's the thing that jumps out to me. You know, they their quarterback game, when I look at their quarterbacks, they're completing, you know, Dunaway is completing 60% of his passes or completed 60% of his passes. O'Hara's at 77.5%. They do tend to rely maybe more on the run, but they got some quarterbacks that, and NDSU's had some great ones, so I'm not saying they're like Bison quarterbacks, but the couple games of Sac State that I've watched start to finish the UC Davis game and then the Weber State game, it just seems to me that in, in big moments, their quarterbacks were making plays, and, and they impress me. Their stats don't maybe blow you out of the water as far as numbers but you just watch them when there's big game moments and those guys just seem to make plays for Sac State at the quarterback spot yeah and they're running a two quarterback system uh that is uh you know it's it's interesting uh to watch because both both guys can throw but Jake Dunaway is is the more uh polished passer he's the more traditional passer he has had some interception problems and you know sometimes there are spurts in the game where you know he doesn't necessarily looked the part but yeah you're right he does make big throws when they need it and then Asher O'Hara is more of their running quarterback uh, who can throw it but he's more of a running quarterback um, and he's a guy that just you know when they really need yards when they really need to move the chains when they really need to extend drives or get points on the board they just give him the ball and he runs for five yards five yards six yards six yards and like he's just very very tough to stop um, and I think that's a credit to uh, the offensive line um, I think the offensive line has gotten better uh, as well so yeah they are um, you know, I, I think a well-built team, 
uh, but at the same time, I think I wrote it too. You know, you don't want it to rely too much on what has happened in past years, but at the same time, I always say around this time that history tends to repeat itself in the FCS playoffs, and that rings true more often uh, than not. Um, and I need to, you know, see a Big Sky team beat North Dakota State before I actually call it happening. And so, um, you know, just, you know, obviously looking ahead a little bit to a potential NDSU at Sac State game, I think it's going to be a really good game. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people, gun to their head, would probably probably pick Bison to win that one. Yeah, and O'Hare is a dude, Sam. When I when I watch the games of Sac State's that I have, that's the guy that's always seeming to make plays. And they've got a third and three or fourth and two. They got to pick up. He has 19 rushing touchdowns on the year he's got eight passing touchdowns and he's not even their full-time starter he's just a guy whenever he goes in there it's one of those things kind of like a linebacker on defense as has that has 15 tackles I hear the announcers in big plays O'Hara 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 and I think he had the touchdown this past week against Davis where he got kind of helicoptered and catapulted in the end zone and then landed on his feet so he's he's a guy just watching him that really impresses me, but it's such the bracket's so interesting because you look at Sac State. We'll take a break here. Sam Herder, Sam Herder, Hero Sports, talking about the FCS playoff field. When when you look at Sac State, when you talk about their potential second round matchup against the Richmond team or Davidson, I think, and we'll go through the bracket coming up next, Sam. But we'll see the CAA. With Richmond, can Sac State get by them, win a game, and then they've got a potential showdown against Incarnate Word. So after the break, we'll have more with Sam Herter, and we'll talk about some of these first-round matchups on Herd It Here with Swanee. If you are an FCS fan, this is one of the best college football Saturdays all year. you got eight playoff games from late morning into the evening, a cornucopia football Goodness, Sam Herder, Senior FCS Analyst, Hero Sports, FCS, FCS Top 25 National Awards Voter, FCS Football Talk Host, and Bet MGM Writer. That is a mouthful. He's on Twitter and is certified blue checkmark at Sam Herder, FCS. Sam, I want to talk about some of these other matchups in the, the FCS playoffs today. Of course, a lot of local interest, North Dakota, who lost by three touchdowns to the Bison. Uh, Bo Belquist is a dude. Tommy Schuster, when he's not, you know, making real bizarre, goofy plays, he's he's capable of being a really good quarterback. What kind of shot do the Fighting Hawks have in Ogden against Weber State this afternoon at 3 o'clock? I do think that's one of the more intriguing ones, and it should be a close game. Winning at Weber State, I think, is going to be a, a, a really big challenge, though, for UND, especially on the road. Weber State plays really well at home. They have some really good cornerbacks that allows them to, to do some things with the front seven and the safeties, uh, where, you know, where they don't have to rely on, on safety help over the top all the time. And so, uh, you know, Weber State is just, I think, with their secondary and how UND, they do have that physical running game, but UND, you know, obviously wants, wants to air it out too a little bit. Uh, I think that's just it's kind of a uh, not the best matchup for UND in this one. What strikes me about Arizona State last weekend Thirty-three to thirty-one against Northern Arizona, and I, and I need to do more homework on Arizona. Northern Arizona, they finished three and eight, but they have a thirty-three thirty-one loss to Weber. They take Montana State to the gun. Weber State plays Sac State tight. Uh, the Montana State game is when uh, Weber State's long snappers sailed a couple snaps over their punters. Had and they're they're very very well coached. They're they're usually very very solid on defense. For for North Dakota to come away with a win to move on to that second round uh, to take on Montana State, 
What do uh, what does Coach Swigert and uh, the folks from Grand Forks? What do they need to do to be successful? I think being sharp on special teams is is the key in this one. And yeah, Weber State has had some some pretty bad mishaps uh, in, in the in the snapping game, but you know they are especially elite when it comes to the return game. Weber State is, and so I think limiting those big plays uh, on special teams, but also popping some big plays yourself, will be big uh, for UND because. Um, you know, I think there, there's potential for points uh, to be scored in this one. You know, I did say that Weber State has a really good secondary, but they have gotten into some more uh, high-scoring games every now and then. Uh, and then, you know, I think Weber, they're never really going to be known for their offense, but they have gotten better offensively this year compared to past teams, and UND does uh, allow more points than what they want to. And so I'm not saying this is going to be a, a 52-45 to 45 game, but I could see one team being in the 20s and the other team maybe being in the 30s. Yeah, with Weber State, you know, Montana State, that game with all the, the long snap miscues, Weber State gives up four safeties. They had 32 points going into the fourth quarter. They only put up six in the fourth. They lost 43-38 to Montana State, who looked. I'll tell you what, Sam, I watched that Brawl of the Wild. I know you were there. We'll talk about game day in a minute. Weber State offensively to put up 38 on a really good Montana State team. I think that speaks to your point about about their offense. But uh, college game day, ESPN was out in Bozeman for the Brawl of the Wild game. I know you were there. It looked awesome on TV. How was it in person? Yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, you know, I, the, the rivalry you know kind of speaks for itself, and the passionate fan bases speak for themselves. And so for them to get that stage the mountains in the background it was just a really cool setting and you know it was it was cool that it was the where the set was at for game day was kind of right next to where the tailgating lots are at and even in one tailgating lot per se and so there were a lot of fans going back and forth between the tailgating lots and the game day set and there was you know a lot of people just carrying around a 12 pack of Coors Light on the game day set uh or where, where the where the grounds are at and so um it, I think it just it added so much more energy and hype to that game and that weekend where it already was at such a high level because that, that rivalry is, um, you know, I've been to a lot of NDSU South Dakota state games, but this, this rivalry is, is intense and there is legit hatred there between the two fan bases. And, you know, I certainly, certainly saw that on display a couple of times uh, what, in Bozeman. What was so crazy to me, you know, Montana state jumps out to a 48 to seven lead early in the fourth quarter. I think the stat we were watching at the house and uh, in Fargo here, that game, we watched game day all morning. Then we watched the uh, Montana State-Montana game. And I, I think the stat was some point with like three minutes left in the first half, Montana State either had not attempted a pass or had only thrown the ball once because they were hitting eight, nine-plus yards a pop on the ground. And I, I know Montana, their strength isn't isn't necessarily maybe that run defense. I know their quarterback's been out a lot of the year, but I think a lot of folks, especially after last year, what happened with Montana State looking like they were going to get one of the top seeds in the playoffs in 2021, going into the brawl of the wild. They just get thumped by Montana in kind of a rock fight, 24-7 kind of game. So I was expecting the Grizz to put up more of a fight, but Coach Viegs and the boys and, and touchdown Tommy Malott, 48-7 to they jumped up. So did that was that surprising to you that the Bobcats just manhandled the Grizz like that? Yeah, it was, it was a huge shocker. Honestly, I think even – Montana State fans will probably tell you they weren't expecting that score uh, to happen. And, yeah, Montana State just didn't adjust – or, excuse me, Montana did not adjust to Montana State's rushing attack, and they just couldn't slow it down. And, 
Montana State, you know, maybe did a, a couple of different things. They had the two-quarterback system going there where, you know, backup quarterback Sean Chambers would take the shotgun snap while starting quarterback Tommy Mallott would be going in motion uh, and either, you know, take the handoff on the on a fly sweep or they would do some read option stuff there. And that's something I personally hadn't seen before for uh, the Bobcats. So I think they just they busted that out for this game. And, you know, they just – Montana did not have an answer for that. And, you know, the Grizz are supposed to have one of the saltier defenses in the FCS with some really good linebackers, but the Bobcats made them look pedestrian. They made Robbie Houck, All-American safety, uh, look pretty average as well in this one. So it was it was not a score I was expecting. I did think Montana State, I, I did think they were going to win at home, but I did not expect that blowout. Yeah, and with uh, their stud running back, Montana State's, I'm blanking on his name. Was he playing Saturday or is he still out? He's still out, Isaiah Fonse. Fonse, um, yeah. He's a tough. He, he's a tough physical runner. I know he didn't get going a whole lot against NDSU, but there were some runs there uh, against the Bison and Frisco where he just, you know, really gutted out some runs. And so he had off-season surgery. He has yet to play this season, but he did warm up uh, two weeks ago. He he warmed up without pads on this last week in Bozeman. He did have pads on and warmed up, uh, but he ended up not playing. And so I, I'm guessing he will be playing at some point in the playoffs. So I look at this Montana uh, Southeast Missouri State SEMO matchup. SEMO had a, a nice win earlier in the year on September 10th against Southern Illinois at Southern Illinois. Beat them 34 to 31. So they're not a pushover. And then they, uh, you know, of course they get sent to to Montana to play in the opening round of the playoffs. How do you see that? I want to ask because maybe I'm wrong in assuming. I think Montana for anybody to go up to Missoula in, in late November with the weather there. Seymour can do it. I mean, if you got to win against Southern Illinois on the road, Southern Illinois is a really well-coached team. It, it's just mind-boggling to me. They went like 5-6 and six on the year because I think they're a much better football team than that. But how do you see the Grizz versus Seymour shaking out Saturday night? Yeah, and it, it's kind of cool that this game is on ESPN too. Yeah. I can't remember the, the last time or if there have ever been a first round or even a second round game on national television. So that's that's a cool deal. Yeah, it is hard to picture Simo going in there and getting a win just with the, the weather and the crowd uh, in Montana and in Montana team that will certainly want to show that they did deserve to get into the playoffs because you know there were several pe- many people out there that, that thought maybe the Grizz didn't deserve to get in. You know, Simo's starting quarterback, Paxton DeLawrence, has been really good this year, but he's missed the last couple of games and was seen in a walking boot, and so I, I highly doubt he plays this game. And so I think that's that's a big difference maker right there where, yeah, Montana State was one-dimensional against Montana and had success, but Montana State's offensive line is also really, really good. So I have a hard time seeing a, a one-dimensional Simo team going into Missoula uh, and beating the Grizz. Sam Herter, senior FCS analyst, Hero Sports FCS, FCS Top 25 National Awards voter, FCS Football Talk host, and bet MGM writer. You can find him at Sam Herder, H-E-R-D-E-R, FCS on Twitter. Sam, when we look at the first-round matchups, uh, we talked about the North Dakota game. We talked about the Montana game. What are some of the other ones that, you know, St. Francis at Delaware, the winner of that game? I'll ask you this, and I, I, I hate being that fan that says any team has got a cakewalk to the semis or to the championship because we've seen some really loaded Bison teams like that 2019 team with Trey Lance, Dylan Ray Duns, Jabril Cox, um, Christian Watson. They had a 9-3 to rock fight in the quarterfinals against Illinois State, so any given Saturday. But I look at, you know, top of the bracket, St. Francis versus Delaware. Uh, 
going to South Dakota State, the winner. South Dakota State, to me, I don't know that there's a team in their pod that can touch them until they get to the semifinals with a potential matchup against South Dakota, excuse me, against Montana State. Am I wrong in that? Yeah, the South Dakota State did get a, a pretty good draw there, as as it should be with the number one seed. But as we know, sometimes the, the top seed doesn't always get uh, too favorable of a draw. Although it does seem like recently in, in some brackets, the, the top two seeds have, have gotten some some pretty good draws. But yeah, St. Francis and Delaware that shouldn't you know really threaten South Dakota State. You know, I, the Jacks will will basically go three weeks between games. Uh, I actually think that will benefit them more than, than hurting South Dakota State because I think they could get some some guys back from injuries, get get, get guys healed up. You know, Adam Bach, who's a really, really good linebacker for them, he, he's missed the last few games. I, I imagine he'll be back, if not uh, next week, then then in a couple weeks. And so, um, yeah, South Dakota State, obviously you need, you need to come prepared, but I, I don't think they, they should be threatened too much by St. Francis or Delaware or even in the quarterfinals, whether it's Holy Cross, Fordham, New Hampshire. I can see any one of those teams advancing to the quarterfinals. But any one of them going to Brookings and getting the win in the quarterfinals, I, I, that would be quite shocking. Yeah, William and Mary's also on that side of the bracket. They're, I believe, they're the the, the number five seeded team in the mm-hmm. the bracket, CAA champs. What do you know about William and Mary? They would potentially end up if Chalk holds. They would be playing a quarterfinal at Montana State. What do you know about them? Well, they they do what you need to do to win games in in the playoffs. Uh, they run the ball a really good uh, rushing attack team. They get they, they do it in a lot of different ways, um, and they play sound defense uh, as well. Yeah, and overall, just uh, really balanced. You know, when you when you watch them play, or even just you know looking down the, the box score, if you want to do that, it's not like they give up a lot more rushing yards than passing yards, or vice versa. Or you know, they rush for way way more yards than passing yards, or anything like that. They are a pretty balanced squad. Uh, really good. Really good head coach as well in London, um, and this is, you know, a program that has had some success in the past in the FCS, and they they kind of seem to be building up toward returning to the playoffs now and having more success. And so I think they are built to uh, make a little bit of noise in the playoffs, but I I, I think they are still outside of that top four tier uh, when we're talking about North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Sac State, and, and Montana State. I don't know if William and Mary is, is quite there just yet. There was talk before the playoff brackets were released that NDSU might even be a five seed and Samford would jump up to that four line. They're 10 and one. They're the number six seed. They play the winner of Idaho, Southeastern Louisiana. And then the winner of that game, if, if nor I'm, I'm assuming NDSU having watched Montana play last week that the Bison, if they do get a matchup with the Grizz would run for like 400 or 500 yards, setting up a potential quarterfinal game with either Samford Idaho or southeastern Louisiana. Before we talk about Samford, uh, Jason Eck at Idaho doing a fantastic job. They're seven and four, seven and two in the FCS. They took two FBS losses. Um, that's one thing as a Bison fan. I know Coach Eck, Eck always had some really nice game plans drawn up against North Dakota State. Uh, who do you see coming out of those three teams, Samford, Idaho, and southeast uh, Louisiana? Yeah, probably Stanford, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if Idaho goes on a little run here. Um, you know, they, they do have to go to Louisiana uh, to play Southeastern, and so that, that could be a tough road trip. But we've seen quite often when you have a physical front seven like Idaho has, that, that's not always a good matchup for uh, some of these offenses down south that are uh, a bit more pass-happy uh, pass where the, the offensive linemen aren't asked to maul you. They're just asked to get in your way for 
one to two seconds so the quarterback can get the ball out of his hands. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of the style of southeastern Louisiana. And so uh, could Idaho, could, could their physical front seven kind of overwhelm that offense uh, and slow them down and get a win? I, I do think that is realistic. But then for Idaho to turn things around and then uh, go to Alabama the next weekend and play Stanford, I, I don't know if that would be as favorable. Because I do think Stanford uh, is solid. Um, you know, they, they score a lot of points. Uh, they have played better defense, although they, they've gotten into a couple of shootouts. Uh, so Sanford is solid. Uh, you mentioned them, you know, potentially jumping NDSU in the seeds. Again, that goes back to uh, the the resume part of it, where Sanford had more wins, more ranked wins, uh, surprisingly a tougher strength of schedule. And so resume-wise was, was quote-unquote, better on paper than NDSU. But it goes back to the, the playoff committee saying, well, well, who do we think is better? Who do we think would win on a neutral field? And, uh, you know, obviously that – you know, surprisingly, Sanford dropped all the way down to six. I thought they would, you know, maybe be five, but they are the six seed now. I suppose that's a tough call for the playoff committee where the CAA, you have all the teams in the field like they did, where it's tough to keep dropping the, the conference champ, William and Mary. You know, you get past that four or five line where the committee probably is. Is that a situation where maybe the committee said, look, the CAA is one of the power conferences in the FCS. Their conference champ, who is ten and one, we can't drop them below a, a Samford, so we're going to give William and Mary the five seed. Yeah, that, that's probably a fair argument there too, because William and Mary, yeah, they, they have an FBS win in there uh, as well, and so their, their resume w- was pretty solid. And so, um, yeah, as as the top team of the CAA uh, for a conference that that got multiple bids, you know, it does make sense for William and Mary to to get a pretty decent seed there. And I know Incarnate Word, they they're on the the. NDSU side of the bracket, that NDSU in a semifinal game, they're the seven seed, so the buys in. They would play the winner of Elon Furman, presumably um, take care of business there and and maybe earn a trip. Excuse me, they'd earn a trip to Sacramento State if Davidson and Richmond, the winner of that game, goes to Sac State. Uh, that's, a, that's a curious game, that Sac State versus maybe Richmond or a Davidson. Uh, but incarnate word, Sam, I take a look. At part of the reason I think a lot of you know experts or maybe just on on paper when some some folks not you um, but you know the the ESPN selection show I know a few of those guys picked Incarnate Word they beat Southern Illinois to start the year sixty four to twenty nine I had you on heard it here earlier in the fall we talked about some of the issues in Southern Illinois defensive backfield but here are some of the point totals Incarnate Word has put up this year sixty four points they put up fifty five on FBS Nevada um, forty eight. 56, 49, 70 points, 73 points, 66 points. Boy, you take a look at that team. They could have to go to to North Dakota State um, or uh, um, Sacramento State in a quarterfinal game. They've got a, a pretty high-powered offense, just the, what it looks like from the, the number of points they're putting up. They do, yeah. And I think Lindsey Scott Jr. probably is a – a uh, front runner to win uh, the Walter Payton Award. He's just he's just putting up gaudy statistics, uh, you know, right now. And, and he's he's a, a Nichols transfer that, that went to Incarnate Word, and he's thrown for nearly 4,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, only four interceptions, seven rushing touchdowns. Uh, and, and so again, like I said earlier, history does kind of repeat itself in the FCS playoffs. And so I I do think Incarnate Word, who is playing a little bit better defensively, I do think they have potential to make a run and. You know, in a quarterfinal between the number seven seed UIW and the number two seed Sac State, could UIW get a win and and maybe advance to the semifinals, which would mean NDSU would host that semifinals. I do think that could happen, but at the same time, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if UIW lost right away because I do think Elon and Furman 
uh, are pretty good squads that, that play pretty good defense. And so that's it's one of those teams in UIW where I do think they're good, but at the same time we've seen Walter Payton Award finalists for high-flying offenses from the Southland hit a wall in the playoffs. And I, I really don't know if that's going to happen this year or not for UIW. I do think they're good, but at the same time, you know, they, they could they could host Furman in, in, in the following round and, and get shut down. So um, that, that's one interesting squad that uh, will be uh, really curious to see how they do in the bracket. Yeah, and we'll talk about that after the break. we got a few minutes left on Heard It Here with Swanee, brought to you by Smith Motors and Wapaton, Peterman Seeds, Holly, and Twin Peaks with their 29 signature craft beers on tap. If you're looking uh, maybe some – Thanksgiving in-laws in town looking to get away from uh, the house for a little bit. Twin Peaks, all those TVs and beverages. Check them out after the break as we wrap up. Sam Herder will go through the playoff bracket and ask Sam who makes it to Frisco next on Herd It Here. And loaded on. Heard it here with Swanee at 7.40 a.m. The fan going down the docket of FCS playoff action today. It starts at 11 o'clock a.m. Elon at Furman. And then we've got St. Francis at Delaware at 1. Fordham at New Hampshire at 1. Davidson at Richmond at 1. North Dakota, the Fighting Hawks at Weber State. That's a 3 o'clock kick. Gardner-Webb kicks off against Eastern Kentucky at 4 o'clock. The Nightcaps, Idaho is at Southeast Louisiana at 6 p.m. And wash it all down with the tall glass of Southeast Missouri State. At Montana at Washington Grizz at 9 p.m. Sam Herder, Hero Sports with us on Herder Here with Swanee. Sam, looking through the bracket, tell me who you've got playing in the semifinals. Yeah, as far as the semifinals, I do think it will go chalk. Uh, just, just looking at matchups, I do think South Dakota State will play Montana State. And I do think North Dakota State will go to Sac State in the semifinals. Uh, there are some teams that could make it interesting. You know, like I like I said, UIW could maybe make a run. I mean, heck, even the second round, the potential second round game of Weber State going to Montana State, that's not a gimme. But I just think these four teams have have separated themselves a little bit, and will make it to the semis. With this, what's so interesting? I think you're right. I agree with you that it's, it probably holds shock, and NDSU ends up going out to uh, Sacramento in December, which I think a lot of Bison fans would probably be okay with but I just look up and down the bracket and and probably outside of South Dakota State just their potential road and they've had some tight ones you know Northern Iowa took that field goal at the gun but their their defense usually we talk about South Dakota State's offense just the way their defense is playing right now I, I there are no guarantees in the playoffs because we've seen some really really good Bison teams have some really tight games in the playoffs including some of those undefeated teams outside of maybe that 2013 team that just steamrolled everybody but uh, I think South Dakota State, if there's anything as a lock, it's them probably getting to Frisco. And as a Bison fan, that pains me to say. I, I, if they lost, it wouldn't shock me. I'd be surprised. But this just has a feel. Again, I think you're right. Chalk holds. But this is probably one of the more wide-open brackets we've seen in a very, very long time. Part of that might have to do with the fact, you know, powers like James Madison aren't around. But it wouldn't surprise me to see probably if, if I had to pick – teams that had a shot to get to Frisco, I could pick out eight teams in this bracket where it wouldn't surprise me if they ended up playing in Frisco. Yeah, it, you know, we'll, we'll see if it is. It, it, it felt wide open last year, too, and that ended up not really being uh, the, the case at all. You know, I think South Dakota State, I know they, they, they lost to Montana State, but it did seem like South Dakota State, North Dakota State, and James Madison 
Um, and then Montana State as well kind of did separate themselves from from everyone else a little bit there. Uh, but, yeah, there could be some maybe some surprises there. You know, South Coast State does seem like they have a pretty good path to Frisco, but at the same time with how Montana State looked this last weekend against Montana, you know, you know the Bobcats could, could make a run at things again uh, as well. So that, that top half of the bracket could be interesting. And then, yeah, the, the potential of NDSU going to Sac State in my opinion, it is a 50-50 game. Uh, I think I said earlier that it is hard to pick against NDSU uh, in that scenario, but you know, at the same time, we get a few more games from a more national, uh, you know, scope of things, and you know, maybe maybe NDSU barely squeaks by uh, Sanford. Meanwhile, Sacramento State crushes UIW. Maybe that changes some people's opinion that says, you know, maybe maybe Sac State can knock off you know NDSU in, in the semifinals, and so um, you know. I, I kind of have my bracket predictions out right now, you know, like I told you as far as who, I, who I'm making, who I think is going to make the semis, and I, and I do think it'll be South Coast State versus North Coast State in the title game, but just depending on how these teams look throughout the bracket, you know, there's always potential to, to maybe change the minds there. And I, I've been to every game in Frisco since 2011 that North Dakota State has played in. I can't imagine the amount of beers in Bush Light and Bud Light and Coors Light they would need in Frisco. If NDSU and South Dakota State played, that would be a great time to buy stock in Anheuser-Busch because that would be one heck of a good party in North Dallas in early January. It would be, yeah. And I thought last year was probably the best tailgating scene that I saw in Frisco uh, because Montana State fans, you know, they, they, they know how to tailgate. So last year was, was, was really, really solid. But, yeah, I do think the, the three-week buildup uh, between a potential game of North Dakota State, South Dakota State would – um, be pretty intense uh, on Twitter, um, and you know it would be really fun uh, in Frisco. Just all the bars, because I will say when South Dakota State did make it there in the spring, I know it was only half capacity, but I went to some of those establishments, uh, you know Twin Peaks and all those establishments in Frisco, and it looked just like it did when NDSU was there, just with with different colors. And so uh, the Jackrabbit fans can travel if they do make it to Frisco, and so that'll be a a hot ticket for sure if we do see a a, a game between those two in Frisco. And I did it. My brother-in-law who played for South Dakota State and my other brother-in-law that went to USD, they went down to that game in the spring, and it did sounded like it was a really, really good time. I, I've said it before during this show throughout the course of the year, Sam, that and we, and we saw it when NDSU lost to South Dakota State. The Bison were down two, about four minutes left. They picked up a couple first downs. They had a first and 10 at, I think, South Dakota State's 48-49 and ended up going nowhere after that. I think this Bison team, ultimately, whether it's against Sacramento State, maybe in a quarter in a semifinal or in a quarterfinal game or even the championship against South Dakota State and Frisco, I think it's going to come down to the Bison where Cam Miller, that's going to be a tie game or the Bison are going to be down two or they're going to be down four and they're going to need Cam Miller to go in there and win the game for them and pick up a third and seven or a fourth and five. And Cam, you know, five rushing touchdowns against UND. At times he's looked really, really great. I don't want to call him just a game manager. He's been efficient, but they haven't put the game on his shoulder. I just see that shaking out, whether it's in the semis or in the championship that Cam Miller late in the fourth quarter is going to need to take the buys into the promised land. And we'll see if he can do it because that, and it's not a knock on him. He's had an opportunity to do it, whether it was against the quarters uh, in Sam Houston that spring of 2021 or this year against the Jacks. He just hasn't, you know, I, I hate to say, hasn't, well, I guess you could say in the semis early uh, in the fourth quarter against JMU, he did that. I just see this ultimately coming down because I think NDSU and SDSU are very evenly matched. At some point, Cam Miller, I think, has to win a game for North Dakota State. Yeah, you know, that's probably fair. Uh, I do think he's been playing on a really high level 
uh, recently. He just, you know, has, when he has been, he hasn't been in those situations, you know, a whole lot before, you know, Arizona and South Dakota State uh, this year where he had an opportunity to lead a drive and, and didn't do so. And so, you know, that, that may be making some Bison fans and some people across the FCS hesitant about, you know, Cam Miller because, yeah, at some point your quarterback does have to make a play, um, especially with, you know, when you look at NDSU, and this could be something that we think back a few weeks from now and say, yeah, maybe maybe it did make sense that NDSU didn't make a national title run because you look at the injuries with, with two starting offensive linemen down. You look at Noah Gindorf, uh, he's out. Uh, you look at Hunter Lipke, uh, where if he's not in that game last year against James Madison, I don't I don't know if NDSU wins the no, semifinal. They, they it, wouldn't it, have. It, yeah. They wouldn't have. Yeah, and, if, and, and Lipke, I don't know if he'll be back. Uh, Eli Mostart, All-American defensive tackle, he's out. He might be back. Uh, then you know you lose some key guys like Siegel and DJ Hart to the transfer portal. Um, you know I don't, I don't I'm not necessarily concerned about the psyche of NDSU as far as these players transferring, but you know just these guys, these guys are you know are, are contributors. And so you know NDSU is is going to be tested depth wise. Um, and I know their their other thoughtful you know tight end he, he got banged up. And so I am I feel pretty confident that NDSU can make a run to Frisco. But at the same time, if, you know again if they lose the Sac State we might be talking again, Swanee, and say, yeah, you know what, with all those guys that were down, maybe it does make sense that this just wasn't the year for NDSU. Yeah. And so it, it is just going to be so fascinating to see how NDSU finishes the season because, you know, you, you you can pick against them at your own peril, but at the same time there are a lot of guys that they had at the start of the year that are, are no longer either on the roster or they're on the sidelines injured. And, and maybe, by, I'll tell you this, Sam, keep an eye on this. By the end of the playoffs, we might see a guy named Carson Hegerly making some plays, so it could be some of that stuff too, but I'm with you. I think that's spot-on analysis. Sam Herter, Senior FCS Analyst, Hero Sports, FCS Football Talk host, and BetMGM writer. It's going to be one fun, intriguing ride, and hopefully we can all enjoy it in Frisco. Sam, you have a great rest of your uh, Thanksgiving weekend, buddy. You too. I appreciate you having me on, Swanee. Well, that does it for our playoff uh, preview. I've heard it here. We'll be back next Saturday before NDSU kicks off against the winner of either Montana or CMO. want to thank Smith Motors, Peter Mancini, Holly, Twin Peaks. For Sam Herter, Brad Anderson running the board, I'm Josh Swanson reminding you that the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd. Uh,